Hey folks, Dude2Joe here from Two Dudes One Double Feature. I just wanted to make a quick note about our second half regarding the pronunciation of one of the actors in the movie, Ingauri Rice. We never corrected this in the second half, or at least I didn't because I'm the editor, so I apologize for that. Ingauri Rice is the correct pronunciation of her name. She's terrific and the nice guys wanted to get that correct. Also, in the intermission segment of this week's program, we have a very special musical segment we hope you listen to it. Thank you so much. Remember, this show's not for kids. Our opinions are our own. And this is the one and only Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Welcome! Welcome, everyone, to Two Dudes, One Double Feature, the show in which two dudes talk two films and that is about it. I am Dude One, Richard. And I'm Dude Two, Colin Farrell was too expensive to have on, so there you have it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Joe. I mean, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people that are way too expensive for us, sadly. Yeah, that's what it is. Even our friends are too expensive sometimes. I mean, we do have that one uh, soon. <laughs> we had to pay him, like, serious. <laughs> Heavy dollars. Heavy dollars. Are they real dollars? I don't know, but they're sure heavy. <laughs> they Like, listen, they got some weight. <laughs> so when you pick them up, they feel legit. It's, Maybe. It's like old school. It's like having just the big rocks that they used for currency, man. <laughs> we chiseled a quarter out of granite, mm. and we gave it to them. <laughs> it was like tabletop, like counter granite. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah. Welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> Um, and uh, happy holidays. This is our Christmas episode. Yay! Ah! I'm trying to do the, the, the Kermit. Yay! <laughs> ah! Welcome to the Muppet Show! Yay! <laughs> real quick, um, this is our Christmas episode, and we do have some really great uh, couple of movies to talk about. But we also are doing something new. Sort of like it's it's new in the official sense, but it's it's been around in the joking sense for quite some time. Yes. So basically, just a little context in case you've never listened to our show. So periodically, in the er like earlier on, Joey and I would kind of joke around. Well, Joey kind of kicked this off. Like we would get we would joke around about how there was like a Venn diagram of two dudes. And on one side was me, on one side was Joey. And in that middle section, there was always like a list of things that both Joey and I were like, yeah, <laughs> let's spend that money for Colin Farrell. Um, <laughs> but like we would, we would be so like excited about everything in that middle thing together. And then that sort of evolved into, like, what if we ever did, like, a Two Dudes Hall of Fame sort of thing? And then, like, we'd be like, okay, these would be the inductees. These would be the people that would be in it. Um, well, now we've made that official. So we, we actually have a Two Dudes Hall of Fame, and we're, gonna, we're starting it in this episode. Yes. Yay! <laughs> For me! <laughs> so... We got that for you guys. Um, we It didn't take us very long to figure out who we would want to be in the Hall of Fame, but we have three separate, well, four separate categories, 
and uh, we were trying to figure out, okay, who do we think deserves these positions? So our categories are uh, people, as in the people who are, you know, like like actual people who made or acted or was involved in any movie that we've talked about on our show that we adamantly love. We also picked, uh, this is sort of a wild card one, fictional characters that we just love. This is arguably my favorite category, I think, honestly. <laughs> I mean, with number 10, I can understand that, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, for our, obviously, one of our big ones is the films category. This one is, uh, the other two categories are 20. This one is only 10 uh, inductees. And then the biggest one, for sure, is our Two Dudes Legends uh, category, um, which is only two people, and we'll get we'll get to them uh very soon but um so joey and i sat together brainstorming all who we felt deserved uh to be on this list um what category should we start with joey um that's a good question that's a very very good question i mean because you you want to do legends last you said right yeah i figured you know what let's scroll from the to the top so we'll start with fictional characters i think that's a good place to start i think i i like that idea so yes uh fictional characters now the criteria for this fictional most... characters <laughs> fictional characters <laughs> the, i'm the glad that you uh yes <laughs> thank you uh <laughs> which is appropriate given who, who number one is on the list <laughs> <laughs> And again, it's not necessarily a ranking. It's just like these are the the twenty that we came up with. So the basic criteria was that we had to have talked about them on the show, and um, they had to have had some sort of special impact on us in our viewing experience and how we talk about them or how we felt about them. So here is the twenty people for the twenty twenty two fictional character category. Of the Two Dudes Hall of Fame. Um, we'll start from the bottom. No, no, we'll start from the top. Who cares? There's no order. Um, number one, Batman. Number two is Superman. Which yes. just makes perfect sense. Number three is one of the greatest of all time. The goat, I like to call him, Paddington. He's a bear, Richard. <laughs> He's the the greatest bear. So the, the goat. He's Gaboat. the boat. He's Gaboat. <laughs> the greatest bear of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> uh, number four, King Kong. Was there a specific iteration? Because we've talked about him three separate times. Or is it just encompassing? Kind of like Batman. I, I, I feel like a lot of these, like Batman's, I feel like is encompassing. And like Superman, I think for our list is really more the Reeve version yeah, not to discount the other versions, but really, Reeve is the only one we've talked about. Mm. Um, with Kong, you know what? I feel like because we dedicated a giant, almost four-hour episode to it, I feel like the main one would be the MonsterVerse Kong for the purposes of us. I feel like that is a Kong that we both have a shared, really a shared enjoyment of, and I think that's sort of the point of um, point of this Hall of Fame. I think it's a it's a good observation. Um. So, number five, this one's a wild card one, because we didn't expect this, but it's pretty obvious. Um, Bella Swan from Twilight. 
<laughs> the first one. <laughs> Just to specify. Yes. That one's specific. We, we only <laughs> talked about the first tw- I mean, like, you saw all of them. Uh, I did. But we only, we only specifically featured the first movie. <laughs> that, one, that one was for you, Caitlin, if you're listening. She's probably Woo! not, but... <laughs> Hopefully she listens to her own episode whenever that happens. Spoiler. Um, Number six, um, this one is is very specific as well. Anton, uh, or Anton Tobias from Idle Hands. (laughs) 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 The laziest piece of shit who turns into somewhat of an endearing character by the end of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Now, he's on the list because so often, like, We'll joke about him, and then I'll also like send Joey tweets from the actor who played him, Devin Sawa. <laughs> yes, and it's like, look, look at this man go, look at him go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Anton Tobias, uh, that was a fun one. Um, number seven, this one's very important. Uh, Zorro, because our first movie we ever talked about was a Zorro movie, and and Antonio yep. Banderas is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um. Number eight is Sidney Prescott, uh, probably, arguably, the best uh, horror movie hero, I'd like to think. Um, number nine, this is sort of a, a group thing, The Muppets. Yes, we talked about them when we, talk, when we talked about the Muppet movie, and uh, I know at some point we're going to return to The Muppets um, at some point. Yes, yes, we got we got plans for the Muppets. Number ten. I'm gonna let you read number ten. All right, ten is my is even though like King Kong's this is my favorite entry in this top ten because <laughs> it is so specifically two dudes, I feel like. And it is from the from the masterpiece, Master of Disguise. Pistachio Disguise. A clean. Yes, a clean. <laughs> Goodbye, gooey sauce. <laughs> I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Why don't you get away from me, donkey? What you talk about? Get away from you. I'll make you waffles. <laughs> Are you mocking my husband? Are you mocking my husband? Because you better not be. Because you better not be. You better not be. (laughs) 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 Man-sized meatballs. (laughs) I feel like you were waiting for me to do the echo, and you were doing the the movement. (laughs) Am I going too fast for you? (laughs) Am I going too Too fast for you? Oh my um, god. Uh Pistachio Disguise. Uh <laughs> amazing. Legend. Um uh, you, you can take the, the this what was the next one? Eleven. Eleven. Um number eleven is Davy Jones, not the guy from the monkeys. Just to specify. Not the guy from the monkeys. The octopus guy from Pirates of the Caribbean. Just to specify. Right. Mm-hmm. Um the one person's like, What do you mean not the monkeys guy? <laughs> I feel like it'd be so like sorry. an ad or something. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not a believer. I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you a, d- a daydream believer, Richard? <laughs> not a trace of doubt in my mind. 
I'm in. Uh, I'm not. That's a whole thing. Ooh, <laughs> ah. <laughs> um, number twelve, Kylo Ren. There's a very specific thing because we wanted to feature something Star Wars on here, but you didn't want to just go for like Darth Vader mm-hmm. or like Luke Skywalker. And we both enjoy um, Adam Driver as this character. We talked about him, you know, on our Star Wars, our very lengthy Star Wars episode, and we we you know. We, we, we do enjoy this character quite a bit, especially in The Force Awakens and uh, The Last Jedi. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Um, number 13 is uh, another group thing. The Tropic Thunder Troop. The actor's troop of Tropic Thunder, which includes yes. um, such legends as Jeff Portnoy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> 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 And um, why am I blanking Tug on Speedman. the other days? Tug Speedman, thank you. Tug Speedman <laughs> and um, Robert Downey Al Pacino. Al, Al Pacino. Uh, well, um, and then uh, Kirk Kevin. Lazarus. Kirk Lazarus. Kevin. And then there's, then there's yes. Kevin. <laughs> I, I feel like there needs, to be, there needs to be an addition uh, here. Tom Cruise's character just should just be incorporated. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, um, with Grossman. With, uh, Les Grossman. Yeah, that's Grossman. Yeah, I almost said. Oh my god! But yeah, <laughs> we. <laughs> Dude, I thought you were gonna do like when you said Jeff Portnoy. I thought you were gonna be like Jeff Portnoy. Portnoy. Jeff, Jeff Portnoy. Portnoy. I almost yeah. did, but then I was like, I'm blanking on everyone else's name. In like, some shit. countries, it's considered a government. Bring it down. <laughs> <laughs> Booty sweat. Popping ass and now, open. And now, and now, now uh, from one uh, classy movie to another, uh, classy set of characters to another, uh, we have Jesse and Celine from uh, the Before trilogy. What a what a journey those two went on. Yeah, like from the first movie when they fell in love to the second movie when they confirmed that love to the fourth movie, third movie. Why is it fourth? Um, to the third movie when that love was nearly broken. I, <laughs> I want them to be together and happy, but I guess that's not going to happen. <sighs> <laughs> this is so ridiculous. Uh, we also have Godzilla on here. Yes. Um, a spe- I, I get imagine specifically the MonsterVerse iteration of the character. Um, you know, definitely deserves to be on there. Uh, Samwise Gamgee. If there's going to be any Lord of the Rings character, like there's a lot of great ones, but I feel like, especially given he is a symbol of friendship, and that's what our show is yeah. kind of like, is just, you know, our friendship. Um, Samwise needed to be on there for sure. And then, uh, this is an exciting one. Um, Caesar from the Planet of the Apes reboot trilogy, uh, played beautifully by Andy Serkis. Mm-hmm. Um, what a an, like that's that's still like to this day one of those performances. I'm like they should have given him like every award. Honestly, yep. he was so good in that. Oh, for sure. I, I'm gonna let you read the next one because that's great. All right, this is again we've been specifying certain ones. So this one had to be was ultra specific. Dracula, but not just Dracula overall. And we talked about Dracula a couple times on this program. We specifically mean. The um, the version of the character um, 
in in Stephen Summers' Van Helsing, by played by Richard Roxburgh. <sighs> Absolute magic that performance. Like, listen, there's again, we don't we don't uh, want to downplay, you know, obviously the iconic performances of like uh, Bella Lugosi, Christopher. Um, why? Thank you. My brain is not on today. <laughs> um, Gary Gary Oldman, Gary Oldman. But um, this this specific take is so important for Joey and I, <laughs> and it's yes. pro- it's probably the best thing that's come out of that movie. I agree. As somebody who's a fan of that movie, yes. <laughs> and so we we're like, we ha- it's it's a must have. It's a must have. Um, now, number nineteen is actually connected to number three, but because um, number three was so specific, um, we needed to make that like its own thing. But we also, I also felt, you know, we needed to admire the rest of this family as well. So they're kind of all encompassing in this, and that is the Brown family. Yes, Paddington's adoptive family of beautiful people. Um, Played wonderfully, Hugh Hugh Bonneville, Sally Hawkins, um, absolutely wonderful characters there, and of course, uh, Mister Brown and his amazing rad dad moments. <laughs> Daddy, Daddy, cool. <laughs> Please keep them away from me. My ch- she's too young for pop. <laughs> I like he walks into the the hospital and he's like badass. He walks out. Excuse me. <laughs> Going into a station wagon. Excuse me. What, what happened? What happened to the to the bike? Well, this is a common neutral color. <laughs> oh my god, that family is amazing. Um, and finally, in the people category. Another specific two dudes entry, one that we both love. Joey, who is it? It is. It is. Admiral Kazansky, a.k.a. Iceman. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to do the tea thing, but that's a visual gag. <laughs> <laughs> If you heard it, then then you know what I did. <laughs> I mean, oh. we, like, look, we had to put Val, like a Val Kilmer character on here, um, which is actually fitting because we have a Val Kilmer movie today. Mm-hmm. Um, but and we can't we couldn't think of a better one to as far as the ones we've talked about. Yeah, <laughs> the two I mean, he's characters like, that like, is that we talked about so far. Like yeah, it's like he's he's sort of all encompassing amongst like the Batman actors, but he needed a, his own specific thing, like his own specific ca- uh, character on the list. So that was yeah. like a must-have. So yes. those are the the official fictional character inductees into the Two Dudes Hall of Fame. Now, um, you want to go to the people, the real people. Yeah, we could do a real because we also have the films too. I don't know if you wanted to. Yeah, I figured we because that's because that's ten. We could just kind of save that. That's fine. All right, let's let's get started with this. Um, the first one, and this person, there was no question, had to be the first grouping that we would do for the Hall of Fame, because uh, more often than not, you and I are basically both on the same page with his movies, except for uh, Pinocchio. But that's a whole other story, <laughs> which we haven't talked about at all, honestly. But it's like it's what it I is. liked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> it's it's uh, you know yeah. Uh, Guillermo del Toro. I mean, we've talked about his trilogy, his trilogy, <laughs> like the trilogy of movies of Kronos, Devil's Backbones, Pan's Labyrinth. But of course, the ultimate two dudes movie he he directed, um, Pacific Rim. So good. Good God. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. Like, it's it's probably... It's definitely among the list of, like, best theatrical experiences I've ever had. Like, mm. especially within, like, the last, like, 10 years or so. Like, 20 years, whatever. Well, it's, no, 10 years because it came out in 2013, so it's within that time frame. So we're good. But, no. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. No, Guillermo del Toro is, is so important for both of us, and... Uh, it's just, it's kind of insane because like a lot of his movies, we, we both tend to just be in love with. And, uh, I know like when Nightmare Alley came out and like how, how much we enjoyed that and Shape of Water, we've talked about as of now, five of his movies, six, I think. That's right. Somewhere around there. Cause Shape of Water, Mm -hmm. we had no, cause we haven't talked about Nightmare Alley yet. Sorry. Five. (laughs) Mm, yes um so uh we love guillermo del toro so much and he's got the best man cave outside of joey i mean that bleak house (laughs) (laughs) one day one day joey will have his own bleak house all right so number two uh antonio banderas now of course zorro himself um and we've um he was also puss in boots you know, in mm-hmm. in Puss in Boots, and of course Shrek Two, <laughs> and uh, he was also um, the uh, mariachi player in Desperado. Yes, um, but he's important to us because a we love him, we love him dearly, uh, but also b because um, it was it's a mainstay for us that every. Um, year anniversary that we do on our show, we have to talk about an Antonio Banderas movie. Yes. So he he's if if Guillermo del Toro didn't exist, he would have been number one. Yeah, for sure. So could you for imagine sure. also the... Antonio Banderas in a Guillermo del Toro movie? <sighs> like, think about how magical that would be. Also, I have to say, spy, <clears throat> I don't know if we mentioned Spy Kids. Oh yes, uh, which amazing. Um, Greta Gerwig, uh, there's a big, big reason we, we enjoy all of her. We've enjoyed all of her directorial efforts thus far. We're both very excited about Barbie, but also, (laughs) also, uh, her episode is our most listened to on SoundCloud. I think it was what over 600. Yeah. Like listens. (laughs) It's, it's very weird, uh, out of all the episodes, but I guess, you know, people wanted to have, uh, you know, we fulfill the demand. Uh, two guys talking about Lady Bird and Little Women, which are incredible. Yes, uh, you know they're it's incredible. Um, number four, um, Val Kilmer. Now, of course, we've talked about him as Batman, as Iceman, of course, in the Top Gun movies. Uh, we're going to talk about him today, and I imagine at some point, well, actually, one of the most de- I feel like one of the more delayed episodes, or at least one of the most postponed ones, is whenever we just want to talk about Tombstone. Yes. He's incredible, and, and I feel like Tombst- like his ca- his character in Tombstone, if we had talked about it, would be a Hall of Fame like contending oh, yeah. character on our oh, yeah. list. He's uh, as, as uh, was a Doc Holiday. Um, yeah, he's incredible in that movie. Incredible in so many um, 
in so many movies. Uh, terrific, really terrific actor. Um, you want to introduce number five? <sighs> so uh, this one was a must-have, um, given how important he is and how amazing he is and um, how... And I gave I gave a whole thing uh, when he passed away a couple of weeks ago. Um, Kevin Conroy, this guy uh, is an incredible actor, incredible voice actor. Um, I'm reminded the other day too, an incredible singer. Uh, yeah. When he did that uh, episode of Justice League where Batman sings, and it's still like I want that, and I want Robert Pattinson to sing, <laughs> just like Am I Blue. <laughs> so good but mm-hmm. no kevin conroy is legendary and i still like to this day i'm still like going through that like it just you know that was a big one for me um and you know he if anyone deserves uh an honor for us like this uh it's definitely kevin conroy again sir thank you and rest in peace um number six is audrey hepburn which i believe We've only talked about her in Charade, which is, I, so. I, I imagine, um, Charade didn't make our initial films, but I know Charade will make it at some point, because it's a movie mm-hmm. we both absolutely love. Um, you know, she's incredible in that movie. She's she's incredible, you know, icon, for sure. Um, yeah. She's absolutely brilliant. And that movie's so freaking cute. It is. It's so damn cute. It's the... It's the best Alfred Hitchcock movie that Hitchcock never made. Um, so Hitchcock never would have made it so cute, I think. <laughs> no, it would, it would have been, it would have been a lot more stru- it would have been a lot more stressful and, uh, and serious. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, number seven, another classic uh, actor, Peter Laurie. I mean, he's one of those actors I feel like everybody has an impersonation of. You despise me, don't you, Rick? What are you talking about? I don't have an impersonation of him. It's just how I normally talk. Joe Tinny Dan, do you not understand? I must see you again. I must. Because <laughs> listen, because we you know we talked about him so many times. Casablanca, um, Maltese Falcon, Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, Mad Love, which <laughs> is a great movie. Um, you know, and I still have. Uh, it. But P- P- Peter Lorre is. is gr- is great is great at doing very a very specific thing, and even when he's not doing that specific thing, he's awesome. Um, Peter Lorre. Uh, you want to introduce eight? Number eight. Um, this one just made a lot of sense. Matt Reeves. Now, Matt Reeves is a director that we've loved for a while, but now it's official because listen, if you know anything about Joey and I, there's one thing for sure: Joey loves Planet of the Apes, and I love Batman. That's like, yeah. it's like, unless it's King Kong, uh, it's usually Planet of the Apes. For me, it's just always Batman, because I'm basic. Uh- <laughs> it's like, for me, it's like, Planet of the Apes, Kong, Indiana Jones. Like. <laughs> yeah. um, so, like, basically, you know, there's been many interpretations of Planet of the Apes. There's been many interpretations of Batman. Um, two directors have thus far in in the in in this history of cinema have made both a apes movie and a Batman movie, but only one of them made two 
really good ones. <laughs> one of them made a couple really good Batman movies and a really terrible Planet of the Apes movie. Yes. Um, both of which we've talked about on the show. <laughs> so, um, so Matt Reeves, you know, the crowning achievement of that Planet of the Apes trilogy, like, holy shit. Like, when he, especially when you get to that, I mean, obviously he didn't direct the first one, um, but that first one's still great regardless. But those those second two movies are incredible. War for the Planet of the Apes is is such a intense watching experience that like you watch it and it's just so hard. You're like, what the fuck? Um, but it's incredible. And then he came in into the world of Batman, and for me at least, made probably the best Batman movie I've ever seen because mm-hmm. like it gives me everything all those other Batman movies gives me. Plus, it gives me things that none of those Batman movies have ever given me when it comes right. to adapting that character. And there seems to be such a love and admiration on screen when we see Batman in this interpretation. And so far, I'm glad that uh, it seems to be that it's going to stay its own thing, too. So <laughs> I am happy about that. Um, but no, Matt Reeves very much deserved to be on this list. Yeah. Uh, Florence Pugh is our next one. Um, we've <sighs> talked about her on in Little Women. Is has there been anything else that we've talked about her specifically in? Not that I can remember, but I think that's a crime. I think we need to talk about I know, her more. I know we. I know we do have. There are plans. We do have plans, but she's she's one of those um actresses. You know, one of those actors where um you hear about a project that she's in you're you're pretty much immediately interested oh yeah you know um and like i saw don't worry darling which your mileage may vary with that movie but she's incredible in that movie she's so good um you know i mean she's just she's just great you know uh, i don't know what, and she's going to be in the next dune so that's pretty cool it's like it's it's hard it's hard to find any performance she's done where you're not like completely like entranced by what she's doing even in like black widow which both joey and i aren't huge fans of admittedly she's by far the best part yeah agreed for sure um so she's very good yeah number 10 um might be controversial for some dc fans right now (laughs) not not even just that but just also also other things that have happened which he's apologized for Mm -hmm. twice um you know, no people were actually, as far as we know, you know, it, it's a whole, it's a whole stupid thing. Yes. You know, it's like, but James Gunn is on here. Um, I mean, listen, <laughs> uh, Richard and I en- enjoy the output of this man. Um, listen, there, there, like people say that the, the humor is like whatever, but I'm like, there's, there are a few scenes that get my brother and I laughing so hard as when Drax is given the jetpack. And the spacesuit and goes, ah, my nipples! <laughs> and you have the close-up of him going, ah! <laughs> King shit. King like, shit. Listen, this guy, man. And again, it's sort of the same thing as, like, Matt Reeves, because, like, you know, uh, James Gunn worked in Marvel. He's worked at DC. And now he's the head of DC um, Films. And his work, like, I mean, this year alone, we had... Uh, the Guardians Holiday Special, which was great. We had mm-hmm. uh, Peacemaker, the show, on HBO mm-hmm. Max, which was great. And then last yeah. year, uh, we had The Suicide Squad, which was amazing. Yeah. 
Um, and to this, and, uh, it, it's like it's probably. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> you go ahead. Mm-mm, no. Um, it's it's probably one of the few movies. It's the first movie I saw in theaters in the past two years. Yeah. So take that. <laughs> It's also one of my favorite episodes that we've done, uh, the Suicide Squad of the Galaxy <laughs> Volume Two. That's such a fun episode. We did we planned that while we were at Disney. <laughs> like we just we just looked at each other. We're like, we got to do. This. <laughs> <laughs> he also James Gunn also directed my favorite Marvel movie, um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so he's there. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o. Um, she's appeared a couple times, um, a couple times in our show because obviously Star Wars. She was in the sequel trilogy mm-hmm. of Star Wars. Um, Black she Panther was in, in Black Panther as Nakia, and of course, us. <laughs> Listen, her performance in Us to this day, I question why she's not starring. Like she's not the main lead actor in more movies. She's so good. Like obviously she's she's in all these great movies and she's great in all these movies, but like I think she needs she needs and she deserves to have like so many like starring vehicles. I I I want like ten movies. I mean, if she wants to do it, but <laughs> I think because like she's like not to be like she's an incredibly beautiful like person like mm-hmm. and you know she wa- she was great in what was it Twelve Years a Slave, which is a movie I'll never watch again because it's just like it's pretty rough. Yeah. Um, but like, I think, I think that's part of it, but like you see her in us and it's just like, <laughs> that is her best perform. Like, her, like blows your mind. Like when she, <laughs> when she comes out and she's holding the scissors, uh, against her chest and she's got like her face, like I, the shot that'll always stay in my brain is when she's like got her head rested between her hands and she's tapping her fingers on her cheekbones. Oh yeah. Oh Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah sure Lupita's on the list uh Julie Andrews um uh, few people can play a British nanny and a racist kaiju quite like Julie Andrews what and listen if there's another goat it's Julie Andrews <laughs> um no she's she's as they say in um in her most famous role she's practically perfect in every way there's no question no question speaking of practically uh, perfect <laughs> practically perfect in every universe michelle yo um we we've talked about her a couple of times on mm-hmm. our program she makes a brief appearance in guardians of the galaxy volume 2 we've talked about shang chi and the legend of the ten rings we also have an entire michelle yo episode which uh featured crouching tiger hidden dragon and of course the recent smash smash uh everything everywhere all at once uh i love I love her so much. She's I watched her in Su- in Super Cop, uh, Police Story three, with uh, with Jackie Chan. She's terrific in that. She's just terrific in everything. You know, she's just amazing, just absolutely wonderful. And I, I'm I'm excited for everything she's got coming out too. Like, just I yes. want more. She's so good. And we, we got a we got a movie with a whole universe too, it's multiverse. Yes, for sure. Um. And then, let me just double check one thing. Yep, okay, good. Uh, James Horner is our next one. Uh, James Horner, uh, the late, great James Horner composer. Um, obviously, Titanic, Avatar some, are some big ones. The music for, like, they're both, music for both those is great. But Avatar is really, I think feel like it's one of those underrated scores mm-hmm. 
too, honestly. Like, just, like, anytime they're, like, flying, it's just terrific. I was re-listening to, like, the, the song, the pop song that they had for Avatar. Uh, man, that's actually, that's a really good song. <laughs> that That's that's pretty great. But also, also important for our show, The Mask of Zorro. He did the music for that, which I think is also an incredible score. Um, I think I think his music really just captures this old school, like Hollywood big feel, mm. you know. And all those movies I mentioned are like big movies, like big emotions. They're they got big heart. It's his, his work speaks for itself. It really does. You know? It's it's absolutely there's such a grandness to it that when you hear it, like that, it's it's like no, there's no real mistaking his work too. Like when you hear it, it's just immediately iconic, and unfortunately, he's no longer with us. Um, yeah. So uh, that, but you know, he passed away a while ago. But regardless, we're still honoring him. We're still remembering him. So James Horner, rest in peace as well, sir. Um, <clears throat> up next, we got Gore Verbinski, who we've talked about four, four of his movies. I think so. Because Rango and the Pirates movies. Yes. Because um, we haven't talked about... We're probably never going to talk about Lone Ranger. No. Um, <laughs> and uh, some of his other, other work. But, like, I think... I'm just going to talk about Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. The Maelstrom sequence. I think other than the James Cameron, like, big battle scenes in, like, Avatar, Avatar and Avatar Way of Water, which we'll talk about that second one at some point in the future, mm-hmm. but... Probably some of the best, the best like third act action scene in like that a movie of that scale I think I've ever seen. It's insane. Like, it is just so incredible, incredible stuff. Um, you know, and it's just like those movies, those pirates movies are are were or mainstream, but they were so weird. It's like it's it's like we don't <laughs> like, get that anymore, man. Like just like so like everything feels so tailored and so like like feels so you know factory processed anymore that it's like we don't get like something that feels personal or weird anymore save for maybe like, avatar the way of water which felt very personal and very weird in the best that, possible that, that's way like, that's like the exception it's like, <laughs> like for good or for bad because you know there's a lot of things to talk about in yeah. the way of water um and just the yeah, avatar is a franchise in general colonialism uh you know cultural appropriation and all that not to you know um, but like, again, it's, it's like, I once think when I, when I see a big spectacle on the big screen, I want to see something that's like, I've never seen that before. Something that's really cool. Something that's really interesting. And I think, um, Gore Verbinski's, uh, Pirates movies absolutely, um, absolutely did that. And Rango was really, Rango cool. was really cool. And you know what? Maybe we'll do an, I would like to do an episode talking about some of his horror movies someday. Yeah, we got it. I'd, I'd be willing to, uh, to try that. Um, the next two, 16, 17, I want to I want to talk about together because we had them featured. Like they're arguably like the triple crown of this list. <laughs> they, they have they like, are our quote unquote egots. <laughs> I, I think Antonio Banderas is like the only other one at one of the only other ones uh at this point as well. But uh that's Ethan Hawk and Julie Delpy. Um as far as Ethan Hawk's concerned, I don't other than the before trilogy, have we really featured an Ethan Hawk? Oh, I can't um, think of one. Because I feel like the not that we've ever talked about Magnificent Seven, but I feel like that'd be one of the weird, one of the ones we would talk about at some point, because um, I think it's a, just a, it's a big movie, obviously, and it's, um, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. But um, 
Uh, but I, I think it's a testament to these two that they, they've appeared so quickly on this list because just about everybody else appeared. Everybody else, we were like, for the longest time, we'd be like, oh, yeah, James Horner makes sense. Guillermo del Toro makes sense. Tony Banderas makes sense. Uh, these two are just really, um, uh, they're pretty great in in, in, the, in the stuff that they do, especially the stuff that we feature them on, which is just three movies. <laughs> it's just like w- immediately, because they were in episode 100, and the thing was, too, like, we had no plans to talk about that for episode. We had a whole different thing we were going to do for 100. And then Joey was like, I'm going to buy Richard these movies. And history was made. <laughs> history uh, was made 18. We have Rachel Zegler. Yes. Um, who, so far, we've only featured once, uh, and that's for West Side, uh, West Side Story, the Steven Spielberg adaptation of the classic iconic musical. Um, I mean, you got to think about the, what she had to work, you know, cause obviously it's such a famous musical, mm-hmm. of course. Um, and again, like Natalie Wood played it in the original movie so many years ago and, you know, you come into this and you're just like, wow, she's incredible. She's so talented. Uh, the moment she, for her like career. the first note she hits, you're immediately like, wow. Like you're like, just like, this yeah. is amazing. She's like, I'm excited for her whole career honestly yes yeah 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 for sure uh 19 is also kind of like a quick one to appear <laughs> on this list but but not for the reason you'd expect um is kiwi kwan um who plays uh who is in who's the husband in everything everywhere all at once um and also you might know him yeah he was in um was the goonies. goonies i was thinking off the top of my head goonies and for me I mean, a lot of people, I'm sure. Uh, he was in Temple of Doom, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom as Indiana Jones' sidekick, Short Round. Which, you know, it's, I just think of the hat, um, mostly. It's the first thing. Him, him, the him in the hat. Okie dokie, Dr. Jones. Um, you know, he, he's driving the car. <laughs> uh, he's, he's, just, he's just a lot of fun. <clears throat> and then in this movie, like, he really, like, he is, like, my favorite part of that incredible... Everybody is so good in that movie. Everything ever all at once, but in the, but in that movie, he I think he projects such a heart, um, and it is such a lovely performance. Like so many performances, I feel like that are like up for like award stuff are usually like depress, really depressing. Like I mean, this movie gets his sad moments, but like, it's usually really depressing or like a biopic. Right, and it's nice to see that he's like one of the big like front runners for his category, and it's like it's a character that that like is about like you know. Uh, optimism and trying to, you know, pursue like all this be stuff. Kind. And he's incredible, and I'm so uh, be kind, you know. And I'm so glad that that he's making a comeback. Yes, um, for sure, really nice. And then number twenty, Andrew Stanton, who we talked about on our last um, main episode, uh, Finding Wally, and of course we talked about John Carter. Great, great movies. Um, this is like. We, I think we, we definitely knew we wanted to get some Pixar representation on here, too. And mm-hmm. uh, he just felt like the right fit, especially given, you know, we've talked about him a handful of times and he got a whole episode. And, you know, he's just he's he's definitely amongst uh, that that group of people that really uh, did some like brought something really exciting, especially, you know, when uh i don't know what i'm saying point is he's amazing <laughs> but again my brain's yes. not working but no andrew stanton is sure. 
absolutely incredible and uh he without a doubt needed to be on this list yes um all right let's get to them films and try to get through those because we're about i think we're about like four minutes <laughs> um, <laughs> into this i have no idea what I don't, joey, joey gets anxious about the length so uh yeah we need to kind of get it so um Anyway, uh, the films, uh, we got Mask of Zorro, which makes sense. We talked about it. 2001, A Space Odyssey. Uh, again, we saw it. We got, we saw it and fell asleep to it on the big screen in 70 millimeter. Uh, Krampus, uh, Michael Doherty's Krampus. Uh, Bambi, Disney's Bambi. Beautiful. Incre- incredible movie. James Cameron's Avatar. Um, bringing that one up again. Uh, that's a great episode, by the way, when we talked about that and uh, Endgame. Paddington 1 and 2, um, of course. Number 4, <laughs> the best movie on this list, Cricket on the Hearth. Uh, Just terrific. some context on that one. We haven't officially talked about it, but we did talk about it uh, in, in one of our Christmas episodes, and that movie has become so special for us. <laughs> and we still have to watch it uh, this year, because we haven't done that yet, but... We we want to try to yeah, we, we want to try to make it like a thing where we try to watch it every year because it's just what the hell is this movie? <laughs> so yes, Cricket on the Heart um, needed to be there. Hearth, pardon me. Uh, it's okay. Uh, Pacific Rim, which is per- probably the quintessential two dudes movie. We've talked about this again. Del Toro's made it on our our direct, our people's list. Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy uh, from you know oh three to oh seven, and uh, Richard Linklater's Before trilogy. Um, again, <laughs> Ethan Hawke, Julie Tubby got like the triple, the triple the, crown on the this EGOTs list. Uh, of this list, um, for sure. So to wrap it up for the class of 2022 of the two dudes hall of fame, we have our two dudes legends and we only have two entries for this one for this year. And without a doubt, they needed to go to our dear friends, collaborators, musicians, um, and those two wacky fellas who've made the funniest, weirdest scripts for us to read uh, as our pretend versions of ourselves for the radio dramas. That is, of course, John and Kenny Armstrong. Those two have been with us from the beginning. Um, they have made some incredible music for our show. Uh, like, it's insane how amazing each piece has been that they've given to us and they've allowed us to use and you know uh the work that they've done on the different songs that we've sang for the show um the radio drama stuff which is uh always fun to work with and uh these two these two make the show so much better than it probably actually is which i still like doing this and i like that you know i like the whole formula but these two elevate it like tenfold and with they needed to be honored more than anybody else that i mean we've worked with a lot of great people a lot of our friends on the show that we love and we will probably give them praise uh in the future and immediate or at another episode at some point but um these two john and kenny we love them so much and uh they're the best and they also uh made our amazing logo that we have yes mm-hmm. uh and i still love it to this day <sighs> Yes, for uh, for sure. It feels like we talked about a full movie. We just um, there's a lot that over forty five minutes. <laughs> there was a lot to to bring up, but you know we wanted to do something fun like this, so 
we apologize. We'll probably put a time code in the description uh, for you guys so you can yeah. know when the actual discussion starts. But this was important to us. We wanted to do this, especially uh, save it for the end. We wanted to honor John and Kenny because they're amazing and they've been with us and you know they deserve it. So, yeah. So that is the official list of the 2022 class for the Two Dudes Hall of Fame. Woo! now all right let's get let's get yes. to our christmas double feature this week we are going to be fo- we're going to be spotlighting uh a director who's uh, who's made a lot of christmas movies even though they're not like technic quote-unquote technically christmas movies but they are also very much technically <laughs> christmas movies um and uh we are so excited to uh, talk about these movies. Uh, this man, of course, is Shane Black. And Joey, what is the first Shane Black Christmas movie we are talking about today? You know what, Richard? I think I watched the wrong movie. Um, God damn it! I think I watched like no, because I, I I rented. I was like Shane Black. I got I got really excited because we watched um, the Nice Guys, or you know, right? We watched it. We don't normally, guys. We normally watch the movies in chronological order as they you know were released. So we watched the Nice Guys, and I got mixed up. Um, so I watched the Predator. God damn it! And Joey, first um, off, you know that's a Halloween uh, movie, okay? You know what? Know. You know what? I know. Don't but hold listen, on. No, no, no. no, no. But Christmas can no, get no, no. a little hold overwhelming, man. Listen. If you look up the word idiot in the dictionary, you know what you're going to see? Uh, is it a picture of me? No, it's a definition of the word idiot, which you fucking are. <laughs> um, uh, and the film Richard is, of course, mentioning, is the actual thing we're live from New York! <laughs> no. <laughs> Kiss, kiss, bang, bang, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Woo! <laughs> I was thinking about, because Austin Butler just hosted, he sang Blue Christmas for uh, Sesame Street. <laughs> I, that was nice, actually. That was, really, that was a really nice, uh, that was a nice moment. Was re- really nice, but kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Um, in some ways, what might be um, by by if you play four dimensional chess, one of the most important movies ever made, which is weird to say, but um, <laughs> because let's listen. I think other than Avengers Endgame, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we talked about a Robert Downey Jr. movie on our on our program. I think it's that because like other because like because I could the only other ones I could think of is like Zodiac. We haven't talked about Zodiac. Or like Iron Man? Did, we didn't even talk about the first Iron Man, did we? No, we have not. No, um, which is no. surprising because I feel like that would be one we would talk of all like any other Marvel movie. That would be one we would talk about. Yeah, and um, watching <clears throat> this movie, it's kind of funny to think that like John Favreau is this like, guy. yes, <laughs> this, <laughs> this guy, because because uh, you know this was uh, Shane Black's directorial uh, directorial debut because mm-hmm. he was a script doctor and he wrote scripts obviously like the lethal weapon mm-hmm. stuff he was a script doctor predator on uh, the original predator in addition to to being in that movie mm-hmm. um you know so he's he's very much I think a respected guy in the industry in that regard um 
But this was his first uh, directorial effort. He wrote the script. This was based on a book, mm-hmm. actually, which I just realized for the first time. I just had a random thought. This is uh, sort of unrelated, but like it would be very much in theme with the movie. It's like John Favreau was watching the movie and said, "Oh, this guy would be great Iron or great Iron Man." He's actually pointing at Val Kilmer <laughs> the whole time, and someone just assumes he's pointing at Robert Downey Jr. And they're like, "All right, we'll cast him." <laughs> No, even even better if, it was, if, just, if it was just like no Colin Farrell. <laughs> just Colin Farrell just walks. In. Colin Farrell was too was too expensive because that's like I wanted Colin Farrell this whole time. But it was interesting because we watched this one after we watched our our second film, which was the Nice Guys, mm-hmm. and this really does like you were. I think you were pointing this out before. I re- this was the first time I had seen it in a number of years. This um this movie really does feel like the dry run for the nice guys. It's like this is this is um Shane Black getting his his feet wet before he jumped in the pool with nice guys. Cuz like which is funny cuz the opening scene you you see like um you know you see Robert Downey Jr t- tip his toe into the pool. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but like like cuz the general gist of like even the characterization of our two sort of like um buddy cop sort of characters is very similar to the next or second movie because like because you have harry block i believe that's his name block right um lockhart lockhart i i why do i think block it's probably a different character but harry uh played by robert downey jr Mm -hmm. and he uh is the he's the main character he's the narrator um one of the best narrators in any movie um because it just feels real but he's just like, oh shit, I forgot to mention that. Or like, you know, but it's not like like fourth wall breaking, like Deadpool sort of thing. It's just like, he's just like a unreliable narrator a little bit. Mm-hmm. But like, but also like, he's just, but in the sense that he's just forgetful. Um, and he's witty. But it's also breaking the fourth wall because there are times where the film stops. Which, uh, kids, if you're listening to this, uh, before digital projectors, <laughs> there was film. You might only know about this if you saw a Christopher Nolan or Tarantino movie. Um, film, like the film, sp- like it stops. It's like a Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> and it's just, you know, film is, is a strip that they used to put into cameras. <laughs> um, right. But no, Harry is this, like Harry's like a kind of guy that has a lot of bad luck, but like stumbles into like good luck, weirdly enough. Um, again, very similar to another character in our second movie. And, um, cause like basically what we learn from Harry when we first meet him is that he is a thief Yeah, and, uh, he was on, he was in a job robbing a, a toy store for Christmas and, uh, he gets caught and his friend gets shot and killed basically while Harry's running away and he hides in an audition, <laughs> like, like he, he finds an audition and the scene he's reading for just so happens to be uh, a, a scene for someone that was, like, in his situation he was just in. Mm-hmm. And the cop runs in, and and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Good luck. <laughs> he runs out, and Harry's just, like, sit, like, just sitting there, like, weeping. And that's how he ends up at the, at the party that, that's at the beginning of the movie. In Los Angeles, because he becomes this like new hot uh, actor guy that might be getting a pilot for a TV show or something like that, I think. Um, and so uh, we also learn 
that uh, there's a this other character. Um, was what was Michelle Monaghan's character? Is Harmony? Harmony, Harmony uh, Lane, Faith Lane, or something, something like yeah, that makes sense. Um, yep. So we also mm-hmm. learn about Harmony. Now Harmony is a childhood crush uh, that Harry had when he was a very little kid. Um, and her thing is that she is obsessed with uh, wanting to be an actor and famous, but more specifically, uh, she's obsessed with the work of Johnny Gossamer, mm-hmm. uh, who writes paperback pulp uh, mystery novels. And like the whole gist, uh, like this is important. Um, the whole gist of a Johnny Gossamer book is that there's like a main character who's like the Johnny Gossamer character, I guess. And uh, he'll be working a case, but then something else will happen, and then it f- then we find out that these two separate situations are actually this part of the same thing. Yeah, and it's like this; it makes this big case essentially. Now Harry's trying to get a role for a, I think like a like a detective or cop sort of character, and that's when he meets Perry, played by um, Val Kilmer, um, or as everybody calls him, Gay Perry. And uh, he's a private investigator. And so Harry uh, is uh, on like a ride-along situation with him uh, on one of his jobs. And shit escalates. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it gets crazy from there. And then it it just layers upon layers upon layers upon layers. And because of that... um even though we've already kind of explained some things. I do want to give a spoiler alert because it is one of those movies I want people to be kind of fresh on. Yeah, yes. So for everything that we're about to say, spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. I just need to take a drink. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> Sometimes my mouth gets dry. And it's, you know, it's December, so that mm-hmm. makes it worse. Um, but yeah, so we get this whole sort of elaborate mystery that kind of stems from Harry and Harmony's childhood, but also um, stuff going on with Perry and his case. Um, and so the first thing we see is that uh, there's this person that um, Perry and Harry are looking for, and they're trailing him as he's driving away in his car, and they're like, where did he go? So they stop at this like little lake or this pond or whatever, and we see this car just... <laughs> go like go off of this incline and into the lake and um that's when we start getting the 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 iconic sort of chemistry that robert downey jr and val kilmer have in this movie um like of course the great like like the idiot interaction that we brought up earlier which is still one of my favorite lines in anything (laughs) (laughs) yes that it's it's a great um it's a great thing but it really again like you really just get like it's that prototypical like robert downey jr performance where it's like the the snarky might might be lightly touching the fourth wall uh occasionally um just a lot of hand gestures and you know maybe not always the most qualified in a situation (laughs) like like it's funny too because like like when we when we meet him as tony stark like he's like he's a genius but in this like He's a smart idiot. Like, yeah. he's a genius idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but they're but actually their dynamic um uh Robert Downey's and uh, and Val Kilmer's maybe think of like uh Clint Eastwood and Tuco Clint Eastwood and uh, Eli Wallach in uh Good the Bad and the Ugly where like Clint Eastwood <laughs> doesn't get hurt <laughs> and, and and stuff but then somehow Tuco ends up getting hurt for the stuff that he does, that the stuff that Clint does. <laughs> like I think about the scene where like Val Kilmer says something to the one like henchman, and then he get, and then Robert Downey gets oh, hit. Oh well, yeah, because um, towards the end of the movie, when the henchman uh, is like uh, torturing him by uh, putting electrodes on uh, from a, like a car battery or something onto Robert Downey Jr.'s testicles. Onto Harry's testicles, mm-hmm. and um, and Perry's just like, oh, that's nothing to him. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, I love the fact that he kept his little his little gun that he has in in his in his pants, yep. like right by his crotch. <laughs> 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 homophobes, homophobes don't check there. Homophobes don't check there. He's like, I thought that was a gay thing. <laughs> it's like what. <laughs> There's there, there's a lot there are a lot of really funny moments like I think about the scene where where Harry is trying to threaten the one guy into revealing information and he does like a Russian <laughs> Russian roulette and he kills him on the first shot. He's like, you put a live round in that? <laughs> well, yeah, there was like an eight percent chance. Eight percent? Can you do math? <laughs> uh, but I also I just feel like this whole move like half the movie is just like. Uh, Val Kilber on the phone. Robert Downey Jr. is like, "Don't do anything. I will be there in a minute. Don't do anything. <laughs> stay, stay out of this. Stay out of my case." I, but the, I love, like, again, every situation he he finds himself in is such bad luck. It's like when um he goes back to his apartment after they found the dead body, and and after he just was told that Harmony killed herself, but she didn't, and it was actually her sister, which is all part of the mystery. Um, and then he sees the dead body of the girl that they just found in the trunk, and it's in the, the shower, and he's he's peeing. <laughs> so then he turns around, he starts peeing on the body. <laughs> he's like, oh, oh! <laughs> and then at one point, he's like, like you know, Perry's trying to like take him through the rain. It's just like, okay, so you gotta find a gun because someone have planted a gun. You gotta you gotta f- wrap the body up, put some gloves on. He's like, I peed on it. Wait, you peed on it? <laughs> I peed on the body. Can they like? Can, can they like trace that? Sometimes? I was like, no, like, no. Hold on, back up a second. You peed? Why in hell would you pee on the body? <laughs> it's not like I did it for kicks. I didn't just do it for kicks. <laughs> oh man, um, but this movie definitely has a lot of like the f word. Um, yeah. Not and not the one you think like like the like fuck not that the other one the other the not very good one um and it's just it was definitely like Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like it's I feel like maybe because like the, the character like again I don't think this is an excuse at all but like the character of Perry is gay and so the majority of that word is used by Val Kilmer in the film as like maybe a, a justification because the character is supposed to be gay right but it is still like kind of weird <laughs> admittedly but like like you like you understand where they're coming from but at the same time it just feels weird it definitely feels like a movie uh made in like 2006 <laughs> like in that like in like that he regard. refers to that little gun as the f word gun basically as like one big moment where he uses the full word 
Um, I think I think for a lot of this movie, like I really enjoyed their chemistry. Like I wasn't I wasn't incredibly invested in like the actual mystery. If I'm being honest, um, like the like their second movie, I feel like there was a lot more. I think it was a more encompassing package, which we'll get we'll get to. But again, this is like an incredible like debut for Shane Black. I think it's got all the Shane Black like all the dialogue that we were just saying is just so it's so his like wheelhouse. It's all like all the dialogue and stuff is up his wheelhouse. And like think about the Johnny Gossamer. It's making me think of like the um, Mickey Spillane's like Mike Hammer stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is of course like like a neo noir. Like I'm thinking about like Kiss Me Deadly, uh, which is a very strange, uh, amazing movie that you got to see at some point. Uh, it's in the Criterion Collection, but very strange. And um, like the. Like the, the characters here, I felt like they were entertaining, but I, I, I was like, I do not like them. no, like no, they are not people. The, like, that's sort of the, that's sort of the <laughs> thing is that like they these are not good people. I mean, you know, for one, uh, and that's fine. Yeah, like, that's, mean, we're noir, not, like yeah, it's like kind of par for the course, really. Like we're like 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 Harry, for example. Harry is very old school in many respects. Like he like. Yeah, <laughs> like on one hand, like he's got like a tinge of like casual homophobia. Yeah. Um. He's uh he he has sort of like like weird like gender dynamic feelings when it comes to like 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 he try like he's like he's respectful but also it's like you know like it's a little it's it's, it's weird. Um. Yes. And so he's very much a character that exists. I think in that decade the the 2000s um and which is so funny to think about because it was the it became ultimately the basis for a character that would lead a four quadrant (laughs) uh family franchise exactly oh my god but like he's he's not a good person or he's not a good like he's he's got some chart and you he's got some charming aspects and you 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 are rooting for him but at the end of the day it's like you don't you, you don't like him very much. No, no, no. Um, and it's but it's like, but again, that's, like that's just that's just yeah. the whole thing. And then like and like Perry is just very like, like he's kind of like selfish. He's very like, he's very much like kind of egotistical. You know, he berates Harry a lot, understandably so. Yeah. Um, mm. I, like literally the whole time is literally just him going. I hate you so much. <laughs> I love when he when like like that, that that later that night it's like go sleep badly. Any questions, hesitate to call. <laughs> <laughs> and then like and then we have Michelle we haven't really talked about Michelle Monaghan's character, but No, but she's great mm-hmm. in this. And like she like same with Harry and Perry, like, like Harmony is very much, like, a flawed, like, three-dimensional, like, so many things going on. Because, like, she had dreams of Hollywood, but uh, nothing really ever panned out for her. She did a commercial. That was kind of it. Yes. Um, though Perry still sees her, or not Perry, but Harry sees her in such, a, like, a positive light. But, you know, she's had a really rough childhood, especially, like, there's a whole like a whole aspect to the mystery where we learn that her sister who kills herself in the movie um uh was abused by the father 
And then yeah. because, uh, and then there was like a whole thing where Harmony lied to her sister that her actual father was actually Corbin Burnson's character, who's like a big movie producer. There's a lot of there's a lot of like mm-hmm. in both of these movies. There's a lot of incest, oddly enough. Um, but um, yeah. but like basically, basically what the whole revelation like the whole mystery is it's like harmony lied to her sister that her actual father was corbin bernson's character who was in who was in town in the small town that harry and harmony lived in was filming a johnny gossamer adaptation and so she was like that's your father that guy right there and so years later harmony's sister would go to hollywood and uh she caught Corbin Burnson's character having an affair with this young woman who we believed, the public believed, and we believed, though it wasn't, believed that it was actually uh, that guy's daughter. So now it's Harmony's sister who right. had a abusive relationship with her own father, now her new father in this exact same boat, in her, in her mind, uh, was too traumatizing, and so unfortunately she took her own life. Um... But of course, uh, that sort of leads to this whole thing where, like, it all—it all really does kind of stem from what's it? Harlan Dexter, I think, is his name, is the movie producer, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I think, I think, um, uh, Shane Black gives movie producers such interesting names, like, you know, in this one, yes. it's Harlan Dexter, which is such a wild, like, mystery novel sort of name, oddly enough, and. Uh, so that's sort of where the whole mystery stems from uh, and how Harmony's evolved. And Harmony actually, um, I think it was Harmony that actually went by the stage name that uh, was the person that hired Perry to begin with. Isn't that part of that? I think, yeah. It was like the end, it got like weird for me. Like it was like... <laughs> I like I did like the mystery if I'm being honest like I th- I think I'm a little bit different in that category because I I thought it was just like because I I like a movie when there's a mystery and then like the layers just sort of like pile on and they just sort of fit neatly. Sure. Oh, there's that sure again. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that, that no that one that wasn't like a suspicious sure. That was just like yeah yeah <laughs> I get you. It's just a run on thing now. Um. <laughs> But no, like I did, I did admittedly like the mystery. But yeah, like it does. Like I think the best thing about it is that it does feel like a very like kind of I guess you could say modernized, but like with a very classic style, neo noir style. Um, you know, even the way it's shot, it's shot really well, and uh, you know the characters are incredibly flawed and not necessarily good people. Um, honestly. Honestly, a lot of fun, and uh, the chemistry between uh, Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. is electrifying. Yeah. But it really does, again, it really does feel like the prototype to the next movie, oddly enough. It's like it's like Shane Black was working out the kinks, like, okay, so if I wanted to make a movie like this, how do I approach it? Yeah. And so he's like, now that I know how, and I think I could do it better, I will do it better. And I think what's important to note, too... Um... Like, because he did this, well, this was 05, I said 06, but this was 05, and uh, obviously Iron Man was 08, and the Marvel movies went on to be, you know, the big gargantuan thing that they are, but, um, you know, in 2013, uh, he did Iron Man 3, mm-hmm. he directed the third one, obviously reuniting with Robert Downey Jr., 
Um, that movie made over a billion dollars worldwide. So I'm sure he that gave him like the, hey, hey, give me some money. I want to make him another movie. I'm going to make another one. Come on, guys. Come on. Round two. Round Come on. two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I do believe it was Robert Downey Jr. that was like, listen, Shane Black really like if it was it was really him that kick-started my comeback i want i want to work with him again i want to get him involved in these marvel movies and so robert Downey jr is like hey you know what for that third movie what about shane what about shane i like that third iron man i think that's another one of those movies that joey and i are kind of in the same camp on like whereas most everybody else is like iron man 3 huh like yeah yeah, man. It's great. You get Trevor Slattery. <laughs> you get uh, a Christmas movie. The first, like, like I guess the first real MCU Christmas movie, technically. Right. You get a giant bunny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, giant bunny. You get Rebecca Hall. Um, I think the, get... the, the, the Iron Man 3 piece of music I sometimes uh, hum. Bum, 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 it's, it's, it's pretty good. Mm. And you know, I think that the the uh, the when well, they're trying to get the people out of uh, Air Force One, that's a fun that's a fun action scene. And I love the stuff where Iron Man's just sneaking around the, that that compound, and he's like you know taking out people, mm. but like not with like the whole like suit. he's MacGyver. Yeah, yeah, that stuff's fun. Like, like I love I love the fact that they were like, okay, you know, let's let's do a thing where he's not Iron Man for a hot second, which you know is a win or lose for some people because some people just want Iron Man. You know, some people just want, you know, it's it's what it is. But, you know, in, in all honesty, like, that was some of the best stuff. I think, like, I think it's I think it's underappreciated that when you have a superhero movie where a good chunk of the movie is just the dude and not the hero so we can appreciate the dude as much as the hero. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, when you do it right, and I think this movie did, you know, it, it's, it's a great time because it shows, like, this is why this person is this is this person like yes yes all right uh we're gonna take a brief intermission and when we come back we're going to talk about uh another shane black uh private detective uh neo-noir film stay tuned WKTXC listener powered radio and believe you me I'm powered up this morning because we've got ourselves a special guest calling in to introduce this next song now I know what you're thinking it's Christmas time and by God I want to hear some Christmas music not just any Christmas music I want to hear a Christmas song that will really soothe my jangled nerves a song like, like, 
Girlfriend for Christmas, yeah, that's the ticket. Girlfriend for Christmas by Tex Ritter and the Butter Sweets. I know, I know, it's a classic, and we all love it, but let's face it, it's been 60 years since the Butter Sweets went into the studio back in 1962 and cut Girlfriend for Christmas. 60 years is an awful long time. I say it's time for a new song and a new band. Well, folks, looks like Christmas is coming early this year because we've got the man himself, Tex Ritter, calling into the show to make an exciting announcement. Tex, are you there? I'm here. Wow. Tex, I just want to tell you what a big fan I am. You've brought so much joy to so many people. What a guy. You're welcome. Tex, why don't you tell the people about this new band you've put together? That's right, you little rascal. I've got a new band. I call them the Butter Boys. And together we're Tex Ritter and the Butter Boys. We're going on tour. First in North America, then East America, then West America, then South America, then eventually the whole world. And we're kicking it off with a live performance on Saturday Night Live this Christmas Eve. Oh God, I might cry. This will be the first time you've played live in 50 years. That's right. And this new band, boy, let me tell you, we are really hot. I've teamed up with some of the best musicians from my era back in the 60s. We got Billy Buck Johnson from the Smoky Mountain Blues Boys on the bass guitar. We got Jimmy Van Sheen from the 80s hair metal band Van Sheen on the drums. Yours truly on guitar. And for our lead singer, we got Tubby Stubbs, famed rockabilly singer from Memphis, Tennessee. Tubby Stubbs? He sounds affable. And what song will you be performing? A new song! I'm salivating. It's called Christmas Revenge. It's a song about revenge. And here's the best part. It's getting made into a movie. A movie? My heart's racing. It'll premiere on Christmas Day. And it stars Halen Berry, Daniel Day-Lewis, and Adam Sandler. Well, I for one can't wait. Speaking of waiting, this suspense is killing me. Let's hear this new song from Tex Ritter and the Butter Boys, Christmas Revenge. Ball. 
the sailor slides down with a grin on his face. He pulls out a knife and slices my wrist. And now I'm lying on the ground in a pool of piss. Uh-oh, round two. He's a gentleman, but he changes his mind and creeps from behind. But I definitely hock a loogie in his eye. It's a bloodbath, round three. Well, Santa comes back with a nipple twist, but I wore a bra. I was ready for this. I folded my fist and I swing and a miss and I swing and a miss. Now I'm back on the ground in a pool of piss. Suddenly Santa began to speak. Slowly he spoke with a burp and a beep. What's this? Said he. I ask you, what's this? Pick yourself up and get out of that piss. Come sit on Santa's lap, little boy, and I'll tell you a story. About the meaning of Christmas and why you disappoint me. Now I had to whop the tar out of you. That much is true. But you know you had it coming. Skeetily do. Every year you've been bad, such a bad little man. You've done every bad thing that a little man can. You've stolen watches, rings, keychains, baubles and boobles, needles and candles, sock monkeys and poodles. You've jumped bail, forgotten birthdays, you lost your mother's favorite sweater. You've been learning clarinet for ten years, and you've not gotten any better. You've simply been bad, bad baddie gads. Let me ask you this. Santa said with a hiss. Do you want to know why I bring the gift of coal? I give you the coal so you can set it alight. It'll warm your cold heart in the dead of the night. Evil people need warming, warming by fire. And an evil worm like yourself, the situation is dire. You're one cold-hearted bastard, boy. Don't get it twisted. You were begging for a beating. Why, you practically insisted. That's why I ruined your life. You pushed me too far. That's why I came here tonight. To throw down and whop out your tar. Now I hope you learned your lesson, and you've got yourself to blame. If not, I'll be back to kick ass and take names. Now I must be going. Twas a pleasure, says me. Merry Christmas, farewell. Fiddle dee dee. That was almost a religious experience. Wasn't it though? That's my new favorite song. Thank you so much for bringing us this beautiful masterpiece, Mr. Ritter. You're welcome. Now I gotta be going now. I got life to get back to. Oh, I'm sure you do. Well, folks, I hope you appreciate the fact that you've just heard the most beautiful song ever written. I don't know what to play next, to be honest with you. That song makes everything else a laughable disgrace. Speaking of a laughable disgrace, I almost forgot it's Open Line Friday here in the studio, and it looks like we've got ourselves a caller on the line. All right, you're on the air. What can I play for you? I'm pissed! What? Who is this? It's me, the living legend Lamont Montgomery of Buttersweet's fame, and I'm pissed! Apple juice? I thought I told you you're banned from the show. I'm not just going to sit out here in the parking lot and hear crap like that on the radio. That song made my ears bleed. 
I am on my way to the hospital because that song made my eardrums rupture. That song was a masterpiece. Why don't you just admit that you're just jealous because the Butter Boys are so much better than the Butter Sweets? It is to laugh. The Butter Boys suck! A cheap imitation of the real thing. And what the hey is all this rockabilly crap? Rockabilly has been irrelevant for 80 years! You've been irrelevant for 80 years! Oh yeah? Yeah! Well, prepare to eat those words, boy! Because I've got a new song, too. It's called The Meaning of Christmas by Lamont Montgomery and the New Buttersweet Singers. I'm texting it to you right now! How did you get my number? I got it from your mother! Just play the dang song! Okay, fine! Do it! Yeah. 
That was ridiculous. It's called post-punk. I think that's the worst song I've ever heard. Defamation! You jerk! I'm texting my lawyer right now! I'm gonna sue. You better cease and desist defaming my music! I hate you! I'll see you in court! Goodbye! Alright, let's get back to the tunes. We've got another caller on the line. Hey, what song do you want to hear? Hi, my name's Kyle. I'm a park ranger. Congratulations. I was wondering, could you play Girlfriend for Christmas by Tex Ritter and the Butter Sweets? Oh my god. Okay, whatever. And can you dedicate it to park ranger Allison? Fine. Girlfriend for Christmas, and this one goes out to Park Ranger Allison. Welcome back to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. In our last segment, we talked about the... I almost said Ice Guys. <laughs> we talked about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And we also gave you our uh, inductees for the 2022 class of the Two Dudes Hall of Fame. Now, we are moving on to probably the movie, admittedly. not because We love, we love Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but this one we definitely are excited to talk about it's much less of a christmas movie though there is a scene at the end of it that is set in christmas so therefore it counts <laughs> therefore it counts um joe dinny dan what is this amazing movie we are talking about right now it is it is not not the bad the dreamworks film bad guys it is not 
the the Al Pacino, Alan Arkin, Christopher Walken classic. Stand up, guys! <laughs> nice guys. The nice guys. <laughs> the the nice the guys. names guys. The nice guys. <laughs> guys. The nice guys. So your name's the nice. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, the nice guys. Um, this is what year did this come out? Twenty sixteen, I want to say. Twenty sixteen, Shane Black film. Now again, we were saying in the last segment, the the Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was very much the prototype for this movie because that movie walked, so this movie could sprint. Yeah. And this movie, again, same thing, has like a whole wonderful uh, planned out mystery. Um, it's set in California in like the 70s. And we have our two beautiful leads, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling. At no, like, at no point, I think, did any of us think that we needed these two. Like, obviously, these two are great actors. But who thought that these two would be so perfect together? Like, it's... Yes. it's, it's insane how good they are and i think even to this day there are so many people that are like where's the sequel where's nice guys 2 come on shane you wanted to do the predator nah where's nice guys 2 though when you look at the box office you understand why there isn't a nice guys 2 because this cost i mean here's the thing 50 million dollars i don't think it, it like that's not being irresponsible Honestly, like on paper, because you got Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling in this movie, you know, and it only made 62, basically like 63 million worldwide, you know, and I, th I think wasn't there supposed to be like a nice girls show like at some like at some point, maybe it, I, it, like it's like we wanted the nice guys to not nothing wrong with girls, but like we wanted the nice guys to. But, um, you know, it's just, it just seems to be the, the story of our lives. Um, you know, this is, a, this movie is a lot of fun. Um, oh, it's, it's so good. Like, ugh. I remember, because we were, sorry, we were talking about this, because uh, you had asked me if I'd seen this in theaters, and I said I didn't, and neither did you. Yeah. Um, my first time watching it was, I, I think I just bought it on a whim on, on blu-ray when it came out and uh i remember my f my friend had come up to visit this is actually a whole thing because i remember my friend had come up to visit and he was going through a lot of personal stuff at the time and he was he was pretty down and so i was like he was hanging out in my room with me and i was like do you want, like let's watch this let's watch this movie together um see if that'll be a pick me up and we're laughing we're having a great time we're loving the characters um, and, uh, I also remember like on my birthday, uh, one year my family and I were hanging out, but we had like this little TV because our big TV was getting fixed. So we had this little TV, <laughs> this little flat screen and we watched it on that. <laughs> and so the first time we ever watched it was on this little TV. It was really funny where this massive living room and the TV's like the size of my phone I'm on right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you have an you have an iPhone, so I'm sure it's like <laughs> it's like amazing. It's great screen. It's a it's 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 a freaking OLED screen, but it's so tiny. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But uh, but no, like like it was just funny. That was the first time we watched it, but it was such a fun experience, and like like everyone was laughing, everyone was enjoying the story and the performances. Like it's just it's like kind of it's. I was telling Joe before we watched it. It's it. I would almost put it amongst like one of those like near perfect movies, like in that list yeah. of like Princess Bride, you know, or like Back to the Future. It's just like one of those like it's one of those movies that's just so perfect the way it is. Yeah. And so, so basically, here's a general gist. So, uh, we have Russell Crowe's character. We have Ryan Gosling's character. Russell Crowe is uh, play plays Healy, uh, Jackson Healy, but you know everyone just calls him Healy. And he's sort of like a, like a hitman, like a like a like a kind of like he's an, enfo- an enforcer, an enforcer kind of guy. Yeah. And uh, so, like someone calls him, he sends a message. He beats someone up, breaks a breaks an arm or something, and then goes about his day. Um, he's, his history is that, you know, he, he, he's, he got kind of famous at one point for a, a situation at a diner, um, where he beat up a, a guy who was trying to rob the place. And we also learned that at one point he was married, <laughs> but his wife was cheating on him with his father. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that, that whole scene though, <laughs> when he, when he looks at his word of the day, then it cuts to that. <laughs> equanimity and, equanimity <laughs> and uh she's like <laughs> i'm sleeping with your father he goes what what <laughs> never that, the fun one of the funniest things i've ever seen in my life honestly <laughs> and it's never addressed again <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny um but yeah so it's just it's it's his so he's kind of like a loner character but he's he's very like kind like he he's morally centered guy like even though he does something that you could argue is not the most you know altruistic thing but he he has a moral compass at the very least and then we meet um march holland march played by uh ryan gosling who is a private investigator and boy oh boy <laughs> His his like, main you know, goal is. Uh, no, you go ahead. You got it. no. I was, I was thinking about like you know how Hercule, like Hercule Poirot is like I am Hercule Poirot. I am probably the greatest detective. Like Holland Marge is like I'm probably the worst detective. <laughs> he's he's he like his main goal is like I want to make money and I want to drink, and I'm also going to take care of my kid Holly. So he has a little daughter played. Uh, what's the what the what's the actress name that plays the daughter? I forget her name, but she's Betty Brant in the Tom Holland Spider Man. I, I don't know how to pronounce the. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Um, we'll put it in. Um, mm-hmm. But she is she's fantastic in this movie. She's so funny. Honestly. <laughs> like I love I love the scene when they're at the party and she's just watching um, a porno with the porn star that's in the porno, <laughs> and and uh, Healy walks in and beats up the guy next to her assuming that he's the one showing it to her she's like no I turned it on man she's like well, she shouldn't be watching this like you know <laughs> like but I'm in it <laughs> like oh <laughs> well you should go home anyway no she's she's so funny and she she like she wants to be involved she wants to help her dad and his job and everything yeah March is very much like he's usually drinking or drunk um, and his main goal, uh, you know, like he'll take a case, then he'll be like, all right, how do we figure out how to get, uh, more money out of this? 
It's, it makes me think of the, uh, like, you don't watch Red Letter Media, but, like, they there's, like, a subplot in their shows where they're a VCR, they are VCR repairmen, and they're basically conning Mr. Plinkett out of his money. So it takes them years to try to fix a VCR. <laughs> Why ain't you gonna fix my VCR so I can watch Night Court? Uh, I, I almost spit root beer. <laughs> I didn't want that to happen. I was trying. <laughs> it's not. It's like you, you. It's not your fault. It's it's just a happy accident. It's an unfortunate accident, not a happy accident. Um, but they they're really they're just a really amusing pair. And it's even. I feel like it's a it's a goofier version of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Like Kiss oh, Kiss yeah. Bang Bang. I feel like I feel like. Like, th- this movie, I'm not saying everything's, like, happy, hunky-dory at the end, but I'm like, you know what? <laughs> it's okay. Like, that movie <laughs> is just, I'm just like, I don't know how it feel. Like, I'm like, okay. Like, okay, he's got a job at the end, but I'm like, it's still just, like, everything that happened still happened. And, like, the characters are who they are. But this movie, it's like, Holland March is just, like, a goofball, a more goofball <laughs> version of Harry Lockhart. Like, <laughs> it's like, like weird. it's like tenfold. It's like just it's heightens is t- tenfold. He's just so he's like a cartoon character, and it's so great to see Ryan Gosling like play a part like that because Ryan Gosling is a great actor. I love him, mm-hmm. but it's nice to see him as like a character who is like kind of a loser. Um, <laughs> yeah, because like he plays sort of like stoic, silent types in a lot of it, like Drive, Blade Runner. Um, yeah, and then like sometimes he'll do like he's done like romantic comedies, like he did uh, that one with. Uh, What's that, Steve Carell, like Crazy Stupid Love or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, you know, obviously he did. Like, I think I think Ryan Gosling is a very versatile actor, but you do kind of sort of sort of think of him in those like kind of stoic roles that he's taken, or just like the the romantic lead, you know. But yeah. I love I love when he like when he his he, he has the broken arm and he has the squeal. <laughs> <laughs> his 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 yelp or when uh, he goes Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> there's just a lot of like it's... great scenes of uh physical comedy like when he falls over like the the, the railing uh when he, <laughs> when he tries to do like that tries to break the glass <laughs> he cuts his wrist like oh shit there's a lot of a lot of blood uh, or of <laughs> course there's like i remember the scene the scene in the trail it's in the movie where he's in the stall and he's trying to hold the <laughs> door like... open while holding the gun <laughs> Oh my god! Even even just some of the like, um, there's just like really funny like lines too. Like, like there's like like I feel like there's a lot of great dialogue, but I feel like a lot of the moments are probably more like the physical stuff. Or like I like I like I like the I like the scene in uh when they're when they go up to the like clerk or whatever at the hotel. And he's like, <laughs> if you don't tell us, he's he he'll if you tell us, he'll stop doing it. Doing what? <laughs> 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 and then he just goes, we could do this the easy way or the, well, we're currently doing it the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, oh my god, the dream sequence that gets played, oh, that bubbles. gets paid off later. <laughs> Where I love, I love when he like, he's like, I got this ankle gun, you know, and he's like, oh, cool. And then there's a bee, because <laughs> they mentioned killer bees. But then later on in the movie, like, they're getting, they're getting held at gunpoint. And uh, Ryan Gosling distracts the person holding the gunpoint, and then he leaps at his ankles. And he's like, "Where's the gun? Where's the gun?" He's like, "What gun? I don't have a gun." You mean I dreamt that? Yes. 
<laughs> or uh, or when he's talking, Dad, there's like whores and stuff. <laughs> like, what have I told you? Don't say and stuff. Just say, Dad, there's whores. <laughs> uh, look on the bright side. Nobody got hurt. <laughs> people got hurt I th- i'm saying <laughs> i think they died quickly i don't think they got hurt <laughs> i think i'm invincible i think i can't die <laughs> <laughs> or like oh his disdain. i love i love his disdain for janet <laughs> yes uh, the, the the daughter's friend like i don't know janet <laughs> jess <laughs> like jessica <laughs> like go to go to janet's house jessica right <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Chet. <laughs> <laughs> or the projectionalist. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> the one kid on the bike. It's like <laughs> you uh give me twenty dollars, I'll show you my dick. I don't want to see your dick, kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. I like there's just so many like great like moments of of comedy with him. Um, I love what else do I love? I mean the the supporting cast is really good in this in this as well. Um, mm-hmm. Like Keith David shows up as a as a henchman. <laughs> <laughs> Keith David, uh, the blue face guy, um, <laughs> just is brief. Um, uh, Matt Bomer plays a a like like sort of like elegant hitman kind of guy yeah uh which is he's really good kim basinger's in this movie yeah in fact kim basinger is like the main like through point like the main like quote-unquote villain yes um uh margaret qualley um she was in once upon a time in hollywood as like kind of the main hipster like uh charles manson person that yeah. uh, Brad Pitt's character meets. Um, she's she she plays Amelia, who's the person everyone's looking for. Um, this the the so many incredible uh, people, so many great performances. Um, I, I think I think we get specifically excited because Keith David, because you know we love Keith David. You know, so yeah. many great movies. He's Goliath. He's in a lot of John Carpenter stuff. Um, you know, like. It's just it's just great to see him, and and he has a fight scene with Russell Crowe. It's amazing. <laughs> it, is, it it is pretty it is pretty great. Um, I feel bad for for the fish. <laughs> yeah, like hey 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 hey, you 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 pissed me off. <laughs> the yoo-hoo. <sighs> uh, rip the yoo-hoo. Rip the yoo-hoo. Um, like oh my gosh. I also, I also really like. Cause we were talking about the mystery. I really like the mystery. Yeah. Of this one, I think honestly. So like. Uh, yeah. So like the general gist of the mystery. Again, spoiler alert. Because I think you know you should go in this fresh. Um, as far as that part is concerned. So the general mystery revo- uh, initially starts when uh, a famous porn star by the name of Misty Mountains crashes her car into this like suburban house in California. And um, is basically dead at that point. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, Healy and March essentially interact because 
March was hired by this old woman to find her daughter who was or her granddaughter, whoever, who was Misty Mountains, because she that's because she's like she saw was her. Was it the the granddaughter or was it the niece? Uh it might have been the niece. I'm you might be right. Off the top of my head. Yeah. But um but yeah, she's she she believes she saw uh Misty Mountains, who was dead like two days prior to when she saw her. So she was really confused. So she hires March to try and find her. But then March um thinks that uh she actually saw this girl Amelia. Now Amelia knows that March is looking is looking for her, so she hires Healy to tell March to stop. And so that's how they meet, essentially. Like like which is I love that scene because he just bursts into his house. He's like, Are you March? He's like, Yeah, and he just punches him in the face. <laughs> yeah. And then he's like, All right, hand me your left arm. No. <laughs> just, just hand me your left arm. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> he snapped it. <laughs> but oh it's so funny um but then again they start to realize that you know the case that he's working uh oh no isn't like there's someone that shit i'm forgetting oh because like there's like enforcers that show up at healy's house because of amelia right. that's right, right. Mm-hmm. yep so uh, some henchmen show up at Healy's house because of Amelia, and so because of that, that's when March and and Healy sort of team up, and and Healy's like, "I've heard you're really good." He's like, "I'll pay you four hundred dollars to to keep doing what you're doing." He's like, "So you first you come in and you beat me up, tell me not to. Now you're paying me to keep doing it? No, right? That's how it works." Um, and I love that this interaction happens at a bowling alley birthday party for his daughter (laughs) like again a lot of the like settings for these situations just make them significantly funnier like the protest scene yes it's like this is this is a protest group but i don't think she's here but this is a protest group if you say that one more time (laughs) like asshole she's not here (laughs) oh my god we can't talk to you we're dead (laughs) what are you protesting the air the air. I just want to give a sh- <laughs> the air. <laughs> I want to give a shout out to uh, Yaya uh, DaCosta uh, as Tally. She's actually appeared on our show before. What was she in? She's in Tron um, Tron Legacy as Siren. Siren. Is that is that the who's that one? Is that is she Tron the one that's like like the with the umbrella that like works with? Michael Sheen's character. Uh, she's got like a bun. Uh, no, that's she gem. White. Sorry. No, that's a different. Sorry, okay. but it's it says it says Siren. So I think she's. Yeah, hold on. Perfectron. Uh, Siren. I guess it's all. It goes under number number names, which is very strange. Well, you anyway, know, hey, we're just, welcome back to the show. <laughs> welcome back. Um, <laughs> I'm just look, looking to make sure there's anything else that was. Uh, no, but that that was that was the big one. Um, but you know she's really funny in this. She's she's got some great scenes in this too. Mm. Oh man, like I love, I love the um, what was I gonna say? So like I love the protest scene. Um, I love that. Uh, so like the, so basically, okay, this is what I was saying. So like the whole mystery, essentially, is that um, 
there was a movie made. And the movie that was made uh, was a, as they call it, an experimental film. Ex- uh, experimental. <laughs> yes. Um, but essentially, the whole the whole gist of the movie was that um, Amelia's character wanted to make a film that uh, was a porno movie, but also, uh, which would on one hand um, uh, be a slight against her mother, who is Kim Basinger's character, who's work, who's basically the head of the Department of Justice or whatever. Sure. And uh, she um, is making it a porno, but also in the film she has um, actual information about how like like I think like a car company or something <clears throat> is mm-hmm. like you know polluting the air and like there's like a whole like thing to that um and so she made the film and put that into it because so many people are trying to cover up all these facts and she was going to play it but then um uh the house that she was filming in burnt down and then of course now right. all the people who are involved in the film including um Misty Mountains who dies at the beginning of the movie and then of course there's Sid Shattuck, Savage Sid Shattuck, um uh who's the big porn uh producer uh in this film played by uh Robert Downey Jr. Mm-hmm. Um and the funny the funniest part about that whole thing, he's a dead body and you never see his face fully. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's him. And so that just makes it so much funnier. Um yes. so uh, all these people start coming up dead, and so now they're trying to find Amelia, they're trying to figure out what's going on, and they're trying to find the movie. Like, the movie! As Ryan Gosling so eloquently puts. Um, and, but it also is sort of revealed that the movie is why um, the old woman saw her daughter, because she uh, saw a the movie was projected onto a wall... And she sees the projection. She's like, oh, "My daughter!" Right, and that's what leads to the whole uh, the whole shebang. But I do. I think another uh, another thing that I another like kind of subplot that I think is really funny is uh, the fact that Ryan Gosling's character has a crush on that one girl. So like he excuses any sort of wrongdoing that she has. <laughs> <laughs> like like when she shows up and she's pointing a gun at the, at, at him and Healy he's like this isn't you <laughs> he's like you've only known her for like a day or so <laughs> this isn't you yes <laughs> clearly it is her oh no man um but I think it's just it's just like a fun like obviously there's some dark tur- like turns and stuff because there's you know some dead people like i think about one of the moments where like the woman's like i don't understand is my yes your niece is dead (laughs) didn't it just cut after that and then that's it i'm pretty sure yeah um (laughs) like um it's it's i think it's an easier one to to swallow in in certain Mm. respects too because there's there's a heavier oh no you go ahead sorry no 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 i was probably gonna say the same thing I was gonna say there are there are some heavier moments like there's there's a whole bit with Healy and Holly um, where uh, the blue face henchman is uh, in severe pain and Holly being you know probably the most altruistic of the three of them uh, yeah. is like 
you know, oh, we need to get him some help. We need to, we need to help him. We need to save him. And um, Healy shows up and he's like, go, go see if you can flag down a car. And as she's gone, he chokes him out and kills him. Yeah. And then he, and then he comes back and and he he's like she, uh, he he's like he didn't make it. But clearly Holly's smart enough to be like, yeah, you killed him. Yeah. And so that sort of leads to a level of distrust with him. And and it sort of comes to a head at towards the end of the movie where Matt Bomer's character is being choked out again by Healy and Holly's like don't you don't have to do this. Right. Like if and then and then it was the moment where she's like, I'll never talk to you again if you kill him. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, "Low girl just saved your life." So there's some heavy moments like that, and we also get a little backstory into in, into the March family because like they lived in a house previously with um, Ryan Gosling's previous wife, but then like it burnt down, and they've been living in the the sort of rental house they've been in this the rest of this time. But Holly right. likes to go back to the spot where it initially was. And Ryan Gosling just chooses to avoid it, and he and that's one of the big reasons why he drinks so much. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, and so um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, I mean, it, it's got all the Shane Black. It, it got the Shane Black isms. Uh, the 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 leads. Um, the leads are great. Honestly, um, it's. I think it's a it's a complete package. As far as this kind, this kind of movie, um, as far as this kind of movie is concerned, mm-hmm. it's it's you know you got a great uh, cast. Um, it's shot really well. Um, it's again, it's just it's one of those movies that I I could argue up and down, left and right, that it's like it's a perfect movie. Yeah, like it's just it's it's got everything you would want. It's got you know it's got dramatic moments. It's got a lot of comedy. Um. The mystery itself is very good, you know. It's just it's it feels like like the kind of like it, it's sort of you know you could probably um, link it back to like maybe like like maybe like there's a Tarantino influence and there's like the neo noir influence, but it does feel very much like its own thing in, in so many respects. Yeah, you know, especially with Shane Black's contribution and and what he does with the characters and the type of story he's trying to tell. It's just. It's 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 a movie that like to this day I could just sit and watch and just have such a great time with it. It is a rewatchable movie for sure. And even like like and sometimes maybe you'll notice things you didn't notice before, but it's usually just like this scene is hilarious. These two are hilarious. You know, like I love the party scene. I love um I think I like it's it and it's like even in just thinking about that, like it's hard to even figure out what would be like my favorite scene in the whole movie because it's like oh this party scene's hysterical like i love when he's swimming with the mermaids (laughs) when uh when he's uh when he falls off the side of the cliff and he uh, and we get that nice um uh it's like very like like lou costello (laughs) yeah Like the very Abbott and Costello moment. Hilly! Hilly! Get down here! How'd you get down there? Get down here! Oh my god. I love, uh, 
I love it when they're at the bowling alley and Holly is asking Jackson to take care of something for her. And he's just like, how much you got? <laughs> She's like, no, we're not going to. I even just love the bit when, when Janet, freaking Janet, just chucks the, the bowling ball back at everybody. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, it's so freaking funny. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. But uh, this is—I think they're both—they're both really good movies. Um, I, I want to see Shane Black do another one of these kinds of movies at some point. Because mm-hmm. um, the last one he did was was Predator, the Predator, wasn't it? That was the last one he was was directed. La- the last directed, yeah. I'd like to see it. Like you know, like, we talk about like the era of streaming and how it's like, oh, we can just bring on people and like that. Like I feel like the nice guys. And like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, there weren't successful movies at the box office, but they're the perfect kinds of movies where you could probably spend not a king's ransom making it, and it's just kind of like a fun like a fun movie. You know, it's like a really cool like cool neo noir like crime movie. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, we both really love this movie though. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> There's no question about that whatsoever. I think I think both of these movies definitely give us a taste of what Shane Black could really do. Cause I mean, he's as a director, what he's, I feel like he's only made like four movies because he did this. He did Iron Man three. He did kiss, kiss, bang, bang. And he did the predator. And I mean, obviously he's, you know, a lot of the scripts he's done, you know, he did like the lethal weapon movies, which became really big, but he did those with Richard Donner and you know he helped with predator and like he's he's worked on a lot of stuff so he's always been around but it's like as a director it's just like it's like wow he can really like nail like it's like a truly like kind of amazing movie and it does suck because like you know admittedly yeah i don't think either of us are really huge fans of his predator his his own predator movie that he did in uh what's it 2018 2017 somewhere around there yeah um which sucks because, like, I remember I was, like, super excited for that one. I knew a lot of people. I know I was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, it just, like, there was kind of a lot that kind of sort of trailed from that. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, it didn't get the best reviews, understandably so. It uh, didn't get the best, like, it just was sort of like a haphazardly thrown together sort of movie. It felt like there's obviously the whole situation where, uh, you know, one of his, and I hate to have to bring this up, but I think it's important to acknowledge it that, you know, he did hire a friend of his in, I think, both of these movies that we even talked about. Um, a friend of his, well, I think it was in Nice Guys. I think it was from like Iron Man 3 to Nice Guys um, to Predator. But, you know, he had an actor friend of his that was a registered sex offender. Yeah. Or something like that. Or like, you know, uh, and uh, he hired him in, into his movies and Olivia Munn sort of brought it to the spotlight and was like listen i can't i don't feel comfortable knowing that you know after i've made this movie that you know there was this actor that was involved and so his scene was completely cut from predator okay yeah so but he's he does show up in in nice guys unfortunately and i was like there he is yeah so it does kind of suck that like that feels like it's the last thing that we've got from Shane Black was that plus this this whole yeah unfortunate situation. So there's a hope that maybe at some point down the line, obviously not with that guy, 
<laughs> involved um, that maybe Shane Black can can come back and maybe do like another one of these kinds of movies. I know a lot of people are saying like get nice guys too. Um, even if it's not that, like just get something else, you know, something something in that something in the kind of same ballpark. Um, or just something completely new and exciting. We'll see what happens, but I think we do. We both love these movies, and I think obviously because we talk about Shane Black uh, in regards to Christmas, because a lot of his movies are set during Christmas. Yeah, it's like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is set during Christmas. Iron Man Three was set during Christmas. Nice Guys technically wasn't, but it was Christmas by the end of the movie. So I'd like to think maybe it was like leading into. So it was December. Yeah. Sure. when this movie was happening so yeah uh then it was christmas time by the time we uh see march and uh uh healy have the nice guys uh uh pi company essentially yeah yeah we both we both really enjoy these um before we go i know you wanted to bring this up because as we're recording this yeah twitter twitter updated um its policies <laughs> Um, in regards to link sharing. So, um, so obviously at this point of the episode, after we've sort of encompassed our feelings on the movies and stuff, we like to be like, Hey, you know, check us out on all these different platforms. Now we have Facebook, we have, uh, Instagram. And of course we have Twitter and we, and our show broadcasts on at this point, most every, you know, podcasting so you find us wherever you get your podcasts honestly and um recently like joey was saying um twitter now owned by mr elon musk uh has decided to not allow freely free anyway uh not allow uh things to be shared from other social media platforms or even like um platforms that group together links so like for example uh we use linktree which is a very common mm. um uh, website and it's very easy it's very easy to use especially if you're someone like us who has our podcast on various formats and we want to make sure everybody who has um whatever like if you have google or if you use iphone or if you're spotify soundcloud whatever we want to make sure you have the access to get to our show so you can listen to it. Um, and also to our various social media, to you, our YouTube channel, which we have. But now Elon Musk, the man that he is, is making it harder for that, for us, for people like us as well. So um, now, uh, as far as what we're going to do with that, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. Maybe we'll just have to put, I don't know, at this point. It's it's really annoying, honestly. So it's it, yeah. Like I I do apologize for the, the inconvenience. Um, obviously we do have Instagram, we do have Facebook and YouTube and all that stuff, and those will still have the link tree links. Um, as far as Twitter is concerned, we'll figure it out at the time. So if you follow us on Twitter, I do apologize. Um, but Twitter's not going to let us share stuff as as much as we used to so if you want to follow us in other formats we'll see if we're even going to still be on twitter who knows um yeah it's it's it's, it's really just like twitter is just I, I almost i just don't get like people like you know and th this is addressed to you elon musk you do all mm -hmm. of these things do, do you want people to like you man like 
just just seriously, man. You, I, you know, I think about that, and you, you think about like, yeah, you want to do your own thing, sure, but like, at the end of the day, what is your legacy going to be? And you're not, go- you're never going to listen to this, and I'm sure no. none of your fans are going to listen to this. But no. really, just think about that. Think about what you're doing, and, and not even just this, but like all the other shenanigans that you're known for. You could be doing all mm-hmm. these sorts of wonderful, great things, but you simply aren't. You're you have access and the funds and the and the resources to do genuinely great things, but you're so up your own ass, honestly, that you're you're so focused on like every other fucking conservative Republican politician these days, just like like you're worried about wokeness or you're worried about you know being politically correct or not and identity politics, whatever the fuck. It's like listen, you're just being a dick. I'm gonna just be. I'm sorry. I'm a lot meaner, but you're just being a complete asshat, and you know, doing and like the like every little step you take is now making it harder and harder and harder for anyone to do anything in regards to Twitter. Whether it's you know even like the blue checkmark situation, you know, like oh my god, like you thought that was gonna be a whole thing, but it's like not. Nah. And now you're now you're like just like trying to be like all petty by saying like this person might be notable or not. Who knows. Um, which is basically code for this person's not paying me $8. So I'm just going to say maybe they are, maybe they aren't notable. Who knows? Um, and now again, like, again, there are like legitimate businesses and like people who have platforms that rely on the, the, you know, social media to help spread, you know, the word and get, and get the word out on what they're doing. And, uh, like, like for us, you know, we use Twitter, to advertise our show and our episodes and again to give people access to our other streaming platforms that we have our show on as well as our other social media pages which again we do on our other platforms instagram facebook we even do it on youtube we have it on our letterbox accounts for crying out loud so you're you're making it significantly harder and you're making it more incapable for us to actually be able to do what we want to do which is share the episode for people that would like to listen to it or anyone else that's in the same situation with different um with different things that they make like videos on youtube or um songs or whatever and it's this is not gonna help anybody so there's no reason this should have happened at all you're just you're making it's a lose, weird. It's a lose lose situation. It's very much a lose lose situation, and you're just gonna get to a point where eventually everyone's gonna walk. No one's gonna want to be involved. I mean, it's probably gonna take a second because you know people are just used to using Twitter, but at the same time, yeah, you know, you're 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 alienating so many people because of your own bullshit, and uh, we're tired of it. So. Um, yeah, un- unfortunately, uh, folks, if you- we do have Instagram though, we do have Facebook, we do have YouTube, we have our letterbox accounts. Um, so we follow us on there. I think we have the strongest on Instagram, thankfully. So, um, check us out on those platforms. As far as Twitter is concerned, we'll see what happens. I, I, yeah. you know, if anything changes or what have you we might still be on there but i'm again i'm increasingly doubting that so check us out on those other platforms at least and uh with that said um you can check us out in the new year when we return for two dudes one double feature
Have a good night, everyone. Sorry about the sad note at the end, but I hope you all have a happy holiday season. Thank you all for listening to Two Dudes, One Double Feature. Please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Special shout-out, as always, to John and Kenny Armstrong. Thank you guys for everything you do. We love you both so much. And, of course, stay tuned for a brand-new episode of Two Dudes, One Double Feature.